This morning's message I have entitled, The Perfect Wrapping for the Perfect Gift. It is still the Christmas season. Even though the Christmas day has passed, the season continues. And for believers, it is a season that never ends. But during the early church, they actually celebrated Christmas from Christmas Eve through January 6th. That's where we get the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas. For me, Christmas lasts about six weeks. <laughs> it starts the day after Thanksgiving and it just keeps going. <laughs> and now, how do we celebrate? Well, here in America, mostly we celebrate by eating way too much of the things that are way too bad for us <laughs> and by giving gifts. We give gifts or we make gifts and we give gifts to people we love and appreciate. And so this morning we're going to be talking about gifts and how they're wrapped. For me and my daughter, we start our Christmas shopping the day after Thanksgiving. We spend Thanksgiving Day with our family asking them what they would like for Christmas and we make our lists and we have names and ideas and we give them flyers and we have all the grandchildren, I want this, circle what they want. And so we head out on Thanksgiving Day and we go to every good deal we can find <laughs> and scratching off one name at a time, making sure that no one is overlooked. Well, when you spend a whole day shopping, you're also going to spend another whole day wrapping. <laughs> and when it comes to wrapping, there are all different kinds of kinds and colors of wrapping paper, tags, ribbons, bows, gift bags. You can make your gift look as elegant or as plain as you can imagine. This year, though, when it came to wrapping the presents, I had already had the wrapping paper that I had from last year. In fact, it had never been opened. We didn't use it last year. And it was some wrapping paper that my husband had bought, and he doesn't do the wrapping. <laughs> so he doesn't know anything about wrapping presents. <laughs> it ended up that I ended up using what I would call industrial strength wrapping paper. Yes, it was unterrible. The grandchildren could not get into their presence because the paper would not tear. And they're looking at me like, why did you do this to me? <laughs> it was pretty paper, honey. <laughs> well, even the adults couldn't tear the wrapping paper. So we had to get out pocket knives because no one could get into their gifts. <laughs> they had to find the tape and remove it ever so carefully. But as many options as there are in the kind of wrapping paper, the wrapping paper is not the most important part of the gift. It's what's on inside. The purpose of wrapping paper is to hide the gift. That's the whole purpose. It just hides the gift from the recipient long enough <laughs> that they can normally get to it <laughs> and enjoy it. But once the gift is opened, we just crumple up the wrapping paper. At our house, what we do is we assign somebody a trash bag and everyone crumples up their paper and they throw it at the person <laughs> who has the trash bag. Sort of like basketball in the middle of opening presents. Because it's no longer needed. It's fulfilled its purpose and hopefully what inside has been revealed. But on the first Christmas, God sent a gift wrapped completely differently from any other gift ever given. It was a gift that God wrapped himself. He wrapped with wrapping that he made himself. This indeed was a very special gift that needed very special wrapping. Now, his wrapping wasn't particularly fancy. 
It wasn't covered with gold or silver or sparkles or giant bows and ribbons and candy. You can just really deck out a present nowadays. <laughs> but God's wrapping was very ordinary. And it wasn't super strong like the industrial strength I had used. In fact, it was small and delicate and tender. It could be easily damaged, easily torn, easily pierced. And unlike my wrapping, which was thrown away, never to be seen again, this special wrapping paper would not only not be thrown away, but it would one day become truly indestructible. So what was this kind of gift wrapping? It was human flesh. It was humanity itself. God sent his best gift wrapped into the frailty of humanity. But why? What exactly was this extraordinary gift, and why did it need such unusual wrapping? Well, the gift, of course, was God himself. This is definitely the most extraordinary gift ever given. But how does God gift wrap himself? How would you gift wrap God? God is a spirit. He's love. He's eternal. And he's invisible. <laughs> so even if God put himself in a box and he wrapped it and gave it to us, how would we recognize that it was him? He's invisible and you can't see him. So for us to recognize him, he would need to put himself in a container or a wrapper that would be able to express the reality of who he is in a way that we could understand, which is, of course, exactly what he did. But see, God didn't just fill a human being like we fill a box. My presence has two wrappings. The box I put it in and the wrapping I put over it. But often, the children and sometimes even the adults, they'll get to the box and go, is this what it is? It's like, no, look inside. Because <laughs> you can't tell by the box. Jesus wasn't just a container that held a gift. God became a human being. He wasn't just a box. He wasn't just a rapper. He actually became human so that he could reveal the truth of who our Father is and what he's really like. Colossians 1.15 says this, speaking of Jesus. Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God. Now think about that. An image of something invisible. It's a way to express something you cannot see. The word image really doesn't pertain to something you can see, but something you can perceive. Because image has to do with character and nature. And Hebrews 1.3 says this, speaking of Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Because God is a spirit, sometimes we don't think of him as a person. But God is actually three persons. He is Father, He is Son, and He is Holy Spirit. And each of those persons are separate, yet not. God is a person. And so Jesus came to express the personhood of God. So God puts Himself in human form and He comes to us. But that doesn't solve the problem of recognizing Him. Because there's lots of humans. Which one has God wrapped inside? Well, the prophet Isaiah told us in Isaiah 7:14, he said, I'm going to give you a sign. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. And the word sign means token, flag, or beacon. He says there's going to be something about this particular person that if you're looking for the sign, you won't be able to miss it. 
And he says, this is your sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That's impossible. Virgins are incapable of conceiving. Once they've conceived, they're not a virgin anymore. <laughs> this is an impossible thing, but not with God. Matthew one twenty three, he reiterates this sign, confirming that this is how we would recognize God come in the flesh. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted God with us. Because we are believers and we know God is in us and with us, but for God to tell people, I'm going to come and be with you. The eternal, the one who abides outside of time, says, I, I am so different from you, but yet I so love you, I want you to know me. I'm going to step out of my eternity and come into your finite understanding and world. So Isaiah tells us that God himself would be recognized as a baby boy born to a virgin girl and that he really would be God with us, not just a mouthpiece. This had never been done before. <laughs> God with us in humanity. Now this is a very hard concept. Lots of people struggle with the fact that God could limit himself. If there is a God, isn't he all-powerful and can't he do anything? The answer is, yes, he is all-powerful, but no, he can't do anything because he has limits on himself. He sets those parameters. He cannot act outside of his nature, outside of his image. God, the eternal, the invisible, the all-powerful, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, the creator of all things, the creator says, I'm going to step into the created. The creator who dwells in unapproachable light would step out of heaven and enter the womb of a virgin by means of the Holy Spirit overshadowing her. But this is exactly what happened. God, who is 100% God, also became 100% human simultaneously. Now, I like how the Apostle Paul says it in 1 Timothy 3.16. He says this, Without controversy, in other words, there's no argument about this. <laughs> this is a hard thing to understand. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in flesh. God showed up in the flesh. We talk about God in the flesh in us all the time, so it's so very ordinary to us. But that's one of the reasons we celebrate Christmas, is so to remind ourselves of the extraordinary miracle and the extraordinary sacrifice that Jesus made to become God in the flesh. It is indisputably true that it is a hard thing to understand, but it is also indisputably wonderful that God revealed himself and is manifesting himself still today through flesh. God came to reveal himself to us in a way that we could identify and comprehend, and yet was not diminished in his godness at all. In John 1, 1, it says this, In the beginning was the Logos, the Logos, the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And John goes on to say in verse 14, And the Word, the Logos, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word was made flesh. God himself came 
as Jesus Christ, truly and completely God, truly and completely human, simultaneously. In John's writing, he makes the point that Jesus is both human and divine equally because false teachers of that day said, no, that can't happen. You can't be 100% human and 100% God simultaneously. You've got to be half and half. And they said, no, he's 100% God and he's 100% human. And there was reasons for that. But what John was trying to overcome was the false teaching that Jesus was disqualified from being a perfect sacrifice being sinless. Because if you're half human, well, humans are sinful. <laughs> he made the point very clear. Jesus was divine. He was God wrapped in flesh. Now, the Apostle Paul does explain how this could be done. In Philippians 2, 6-8, through 8, in the Holman Christian Standard Version, it says this, speaking of Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus as the Word, the second person of the Godhead, left all of his God abilities in heaven. He left his omniscience, his ability to know everything. He left his omnipotence, his all-powerfulness. He left his omnipresence, his ability to be present everywhere. He truly emptied himself so that he could have the experience of being completely human with no special advantages. Jesus did not want any special advantages. He didn't want to be human and more than that. He wanted to be completely human, because that's what we are. But he never left the fact that he was God. He never changed his divinity. He just left his superpowers, if you will, in heaven. Because we don't have superpowers without the Holy Spirit. Jesus lived and died without any special God capabilities or advantages over a born-again believer. Jesus is what we have become. Jesus is 100% human, filled with 100% God. Guess what we are? <laughs> yes. You see, so many people say, well, Jesus did miracles to prove he was God. No. All of the miracles pointed to the fact that he was divine and also human. But he had no special privileges over us. He did no miracles. I don't care what movie you watch. He did no miracles before the wedding of Canaan because he was 100% human. And he didn't have the power, the capabilities, to do those miracles until he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Same place we get our ability to do what he did. That's why he says, you are called to live and walk as I lived and walked. I've given you all the equipment. I've given you all the superpowers by the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus didn't want to use any special abilities to endure the cross. That would be cheating. That would be cheating. That means he wouldn't have the complete human experience. Jesus was 100% human and also 100% divine. The fully human Jesus was the perfect gift wrapping God needed in order to both hide his identity and reveal the fullness of his identity at the right time. In Galatians 4 and 5 it says this, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under law to redeem them that were under the law, 
that they might receive the adoption of sons. God's perfect gift wrapping was Jesus' humanity, and it came at just the right time. Jesus' humanity both hid the gift inside, and yet the same wrapping could reveal the perfect gift inside. <laughs> it had to be this very special wrapping. Colossians 2.9 says this, For in him, speaking of Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus, held it all. Guess what we have? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in his fullness. In our spirit dwells Father, Son, and Holy Spirit by the Holy Spirit. They are three persons, but you can't take them apart. <laughs> they are all one. Matthew eleven twenty seven says this. This is Jesus speaking. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. It is impossible for man to know God the Father apart from God the Son. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is only one way. You have to go through Jesus to get to the Father. He says, in fact, you have no idea what the Father is like unless you come to me. Because what people do, human beings do, they say, I think God is like, and they make it up. <laughs> That's one of the reasons God had to come in a way that we could comprehend what he is really like. Even today, the world thinks God is a, a big bad guy who's ready to hit him with a hammer every time they do something wrong, instead of a father who loves them so much that nothing would keep him from coming to their rescue. He came to change people's idea of what God was like and reveal the truth of who he is. It takes the power of God through the revelation by the Holy Spirit for us to really begin to comprehend who God really is and what he's really done for us. While I was thinking about this, I was meditating on this, because the more you meditate on it, the more you realize what a stupendous miracle it was for God to become human. When I was thinking about this, I thought of my granddaughter, Mila. My granddaughter, Mila, has a bunny named Charlotte. And Mila loves, adores her little bunny. Now, her bunny doesn't exactly adore her in return. <laughs> because Charlotte is very different from Mila. Mila is extremely superior to her bunny in every way. Intelligence, moral character, the ability to love, the capability to understand. But Mila doesn't care about her bunny's limitations. It doesn't change the way Mila feels about her bunny. She just can't help herself. She has this crazy bunny love. Her and her little friend have, are bunny buddies because they have bunnies, and they have this crazy bunny love for their bunnies. It's just really a little strange. <laughs> but because Mila is so different from her bunny, there's no way for her bunny to really understand how much Mila loves and adores her. Nor can her bunny ever love her the way she loves the bunny. They simply do not share the same kind of quality and kind of life. Charlotte only knows the bunny life. She's only interested in bunny things. She loves her cozy little hutch, her carrot sticks, and apple slices. That is the high life for Charlotte. That's where it's at. Apple slices. Woohoo! <laughs> but not for Mila. Because Mila is so different from Charlotte, Mila can't share her thoughts with Charlotte. She can't share her love of Beethoven with Charlotte. Yes, my granddaughter loves Beethoven. 
and she can't understand her understanding of mathematics. She's really sharp with mathematics. Bunny has no way to understand. She has a completely different kind and quality of life. But if it were possible, the best way for Mila to share her kind and quality of life with Charlotte would be for Mila to become like Charlotte, to become a bunny while still keeping all of her Mila attributes. That way Mila could communicate with the bunny on the bunny's level. Now it would take a huge sacrifice for a human being to ever become a bunny. <laughs> it would be an amazing kind of love and an amazing kind of sacrifice. But this is exactly what Jesus did for us. This is exactly what God did for us. He is so other than us. We are so finite. He is infinite. We understand love. He is love. He's so much more than we give him credit for. <laughs> it's so beyond our ability to understand without the help of God himself coming to live inside of us. By coming to be human, God enabled us to identify with him and enabled us to relate to him, understanding that he shared the same kind of human life and experiences that we share. He understands the kind and quality of life we have as human beings. And because he has crazy people love, he's just crazy about people, he decided to become human permanently. You see, we don't really think of Jesus that way, that he's still human, but he is. When we get there, we're going to see a human Jesus who is 100% God and 100% man. This was a huge sacrifice. Just becoming human was a great sacrifice. And he didn't do it just to come and live like us so we could share the same kind of bunny life kind of thing. He came to die for us. He came to die our death and to take our punishment and our sins and our iniquities. He came so that not only could he share our kind of life, but we could share his kind of life, his kind and quality of life, his Zoe kind of life. He wants to share his thoughts with us. He wants to share his love with us, his understanding with us. He wants to share his power and his presence, his dominion and his rule. He wants to share himself with us. But in order for that to happen, God's perfectly wrapped gift had to be torn open. 33 years after the gift of God arrived on earth, it was opened. But not with the joy and excitement of a grateful child, but with harshness and hatred of those who chose to reject the greatest gift ever given. Jesus, God's perfectly wrapped, perfect gift, was finally opened. His human flesh was torn like the veil in the temple from top to bottom with thorns on his head and a whip on his back and nails through his hands and feet and a spear through his human heart. Through all of that, his precious and perfect blood was poured out. And not on account of anything that he had done, but on account of all that mankind had done. Our sins were many, and our sentence of death was just. But even our death would not redeem our lives. We needed someone who was perfect, who had no sin, to become sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God through him. In 1 Timothy 2.5 it says this, 
And there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Jesus is still a man. The mediator between God and men is the man Christ Jesus. He never quit being God for one second. He has always been God. He always will be God. And from his birth, he will always be human. God's perfect gift wrapping will always and forever remain intact. Jesus will always be a man who is also God. Because this is true, Jesus can perfectly represent the Father to us. That means we can come to the Father, we can experience the Father and his kind and quality of life through Jesus Christ the Son. We can experience God and know him. This is what a mediator does. He brings two parties who are at great distance together in a place of agreement. And the place of agreement is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is both the Son of God and the Son of Man. More than 2,000 years ago, God the Father came down to us through his Son wrapped in flesh, so that through his Son he could bring us to himself wrapped in righteousness. The Father wanted us to experience him and his kind and quality of life. Jesus became human in order to become our mediator. In Hebrews 7.16 it says this regarding Jesus, who has become a priest, which is a mediator, not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. God's gift wrapping was torn, but not thrown away. For the gift within contained the power of an indestructible life. God the Father raised Jesus from the dead bodily. He just wasn't raised spiritually. He still has his human body. We're going to see the nails in his hands. We're going to be able to see where the spear went in. We're going to know it's him. In other words, God kept the wrapping paper. Part of the gift was the wrapping paper. We wouldn't recognize the gift without the wrapping paper thereby declaring to all that Jesus' sacrifice was completely acceptable to him and that our sin debt was completely paid. If Jesus had had any residue of sin, he could not have been raised from the dead because the penalty of sin is death. But because Jesus was truly righteous, Jesus was truly divine, Jesus was truly sinless, God could raise him from the dead bodily. Death had no hold on him because his righteousness was intact. His righteousness made him indestructible. What does that say about you? Remember that indestructible wrapping paper I told you about? <laughs> well, my son got a rather large gift. It was a picture. So it was wrapped in this indestructible gift wrapping as well. And since you couldn't tear it, <laughs> he found the tape and opened it up. And he's like, I'm taking this stuff home. <laughs> This stuff is awesome. <laughs> so he wrapped his wife's presents in the wrapping paper <laughs> and posted it online. He used electrical tape, too. <laughs> he wanted to make it really hard to get into that gift. My daughter posted and said, she's never going to get in there. She'll never get it open. And you know what I like about that story is? That's our righteousness. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We are wrapped in the righteousness of Christ and nothing can get in and ruin it for us. We have the power of the indestructible life of Christ in us. It is truly indestructible. 
when we come to Christ, he takes us, he makes us new, and he wraps us up in his very own righteousness. And his righteousness is truly indestructible. It can never be made unrighteousness because it is a gift. It's not something we earn. It's not something we make. It's not something we maintain. It's a gift from him. He wraps us in his own righteousness. He seals us with his Holy Spirit. And nothing can tear us open and take away our righteousness ever. It is a perfect gift. And once Jesus has us all wrapped up in righteousness, what does he do with us? He brings us to the Father, who takes great delight in receiving us as sons and daughters. Just as Jesus kept the Father's wrapping of humanity, even so we keep Jesus' wrapping of righteousness. Jesus is the Father's gift to us, and we are Jesus' gift to the Father. And with all this gift-giving going on, it's no wonder that we give gifts at Christmas. Amen? Father, we thank you for the greatest gift ever given and the perfect wrapping in which you sent it, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that you became visible for us, touchable for us, real for us. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given your life and poured out your blood to redeem us so that you could wrap us as a gift in your very own righteousness. You could seal us with your Holy Spirit so that nothing could ever, ever penetrate the perfect gift you gave us and that you give us back to the Father. And the Father delights in receiving us. We thank you that you made yourself visible. You came down out of eternity into the finite so that we could know you and that so you could know us experientially. Being a father far away is not enough for you. You want to be a father who's present and providing and loving. And we thank you that that is exactly who you are. We thank you for all that you have done and all that you are. In Jesus' name, amen.